Greetings, greetings, good things. Welcome back to the Plan and Story podcast created by myself, Carmen Tyra. I'm here broadcasting from the Ohlone area in San Jose, California, in case you didn't realize. Um, welcome. And here we're just attempting to expand ourselves <laughs> by referring to myself as a collective we and hello to everyone that I now know maybe is listening. Welcome. Already getting off track and that's okay. This is also a non-linear time travel catch up starting back in March and catching up to now which is about middle towards the end of May, June, I think, is next week. And we are here today. Continuing the storytelling tradition is so important. These moments, our lives, they happen once. And at least we're not remembering, typically, if they're happening again. So it's important while we are here it's important while we remember that there's going to be others after us, even if we're not here, to capture these stories and really appreciate the experiences that we have. And that's really my impetus for starting this podcast and um, really just wanting to document through uh, voice, because uh, it's been a, a pleasurable medium, um, to capture what has happened. So... March 30th, got to go to the Ginsler's office in San Jose for the second time. It is on Santa Clara Street. I believe it intersects with maybe Almaden, and it's right across from the Hotel Dianza. It's on the 11th floor, maybe somewhere up there in the towers. And it's an architectural firm. So I'm walking in there. It's beautiful um, as a, a nonprofit worker who works in buildings that are slated for demolition, one of which being in the basement. It was such a welcomed contrast to be able to be up there and to be amongst familiar faces, unfamiliar faces, um, and to be there for a panel. It was very, very exciting. Um, Kaylee Cardamom um, was moderating a Sparks conversation, and the panel featured three artists who I have the honor of knowing, Alyssa Wignett, Aaron Salazar, and Elba Raquel. Um, each of these individuals um, are, you know, beautiful um, souls, objectively beautiful faces, I suppose, <laughs> and have, it was just a, <laughs> I'm catching myself, um, you know, dealing with this gender issue in my brain, and it's something that we're, we're subject to, and especially now, uh, in May 2023, the topic of gender and gender identity is so prevalent and affecting people's daily lives and it's affecting my thought right now and just trying to just describe some people um and they're artists they're local they're here in san jose and going i just felt i just remember feeling really proud and really intently listening because often too these moments are so fleeting and so quick that we don't get to 
really sit down and learn from someone. Um, I'm someone who's still learning how to just have conversations with strangers again. How do you get to know someone in, you know, just a, a few minutes and what else can come from that? And I feel like this this talk was like a long time coming and me just like learning even more about these people who have been able to share brief moments with and understand their inspirations for creating their backstories and also a little bit more about their present as well. Um, this might be recorded somewhere. So if you check out uh, planandstory.co on the interwebs, I will um, in the text post see if um, I can link a recording to the talk. And there was a, a wonderful slideshow that was shown just um, sharing a little bit of their portfolio of their work, and especially Alyssa um, from the Silicon Valley um, being a, a multiracial individual, Filipina background, background and seeing the very just Silicon Valley like arc of survival but then at the same time you know there's the sustainable tech piece to their their journey there's also this um just like fire for art and just that 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 living art on a daily basis whether you're you know putting the concentrated effort into it that turns it into something that's a public piece of artwork or something that gets you to this panel. I feel like there's so many, so many of us out there um, that are just able to tap into that art of creating. And it's just so beautiful to watch and everyone experiences it so differently. And that was a little bit of a, a slice. On April 1st, I was able to visit Scrap for the first time. Oh my gosh. Two things. If you are a creative or a hobbyist or however you want to refer to yourself and you have just tons and tons of paper scraps, old photos, Kodak slides that you thought you were going to use for a project and now you're just ready to let them go. Do not take them to Goodwill. They might not accept them and put them out on their floor. Do not take it as savers. Same thing. They might sort through it and they might not put it out on their floor. Bring it to Scrap in San Francisco if you are uh, close to the Bay Area because it is a treasure trove of old magazines, photos, glass jars. There was so like <laughs> I listed like maybe like, you know, four things. There was so much. I spent a literal hour like in the, the smallest like square footage and I didn't even go in all of the sections because if you need like zippers or buttons or scraps for sewing, if you need needles, if you want to look at patches, postcards, like so, so many things they had there and that could be turned into craft supplies or um uh, we were there in preparation for San, San Jose Day, which is uh, the event that really <laughs> knocked me off my feet. Um, and um, I'm kind of just now rerouting myself and, and getting to these catch-ups, like I, I said in the beginning. So in preparation for San Jose Day, we were, um, Local Color was offering uh, a button making, custom button making. So um, to get some collage supplies in addition to um, content magazines that were we had like duplicates of and like other... Um, um, uh, magazines just at the studio. Um, to be fair, I was, uh, I definitely kind of hoarded a couple. There's some things that you just don't want to cut up or, you know, you know, going to scrap, filling up two tote bags, like to the brim 
like a little tote bag and one of those like expandable ones, filling it to the brim with like art forums. It was fun to just look. It was just fun to peruse. And I just can see, you know, my area of drawers um, in my brain of just like, oh, this could be for a project. This could be for a thing. Like, honestly, yes, it can. And if you don't need that in your home, there's a place again, like I said, that you can donate it to. And then of course, on the flip side, if you are a teacher, if you are a nonprofit, if you are just an individual who needs some access to some supplies to create things out of, and again, you're near the San Francisco Bay area, check out Scrap. It's so cool. It is so visually just overstimulating and amazing and incredible. And wow. That brings us to April 7th. This is a what do you doza kind of day. And the answer to you say to what do you doza is a little bit of everything. As little bit as, as much as I can. And I can really see how hard I was pushing myself. And it definitely was like to create uh, content for this podcast and my brilliant idea to have this like super beautiful backlog and then a strong launch on April 20th because beautiful things bloom on April 20th and plan and story was one of them. So the internet website again, access went live. A couple episodes have already gone out and here we are again today, one day at a time. And on April 7th, I started the evening at Makla, got off of work, strolled down the sofa. It was beautiful. I'm sure <laughs> the blooms just blooming, not the intense allergy trap that we've been in recently. If you're uh, here in the Bay Area, Makla is one of the institutions where I got my start in the official working nonprofits world um, after graduating high school and being an associated student body for all four years. I took my little resume and, you know, walked it down first street because that's where the Sub-Zero festivals happen, happened and still happen, which is good to say. And the um, music in the park, I was able to just get on the light rail really close to home by Almondon Lake take it, do the transfer at OC at Ohlone uh, Chinuith, and then take it all the way downtown. So cool. Ride the VTA, support them. Um, it helped me have mobility as, um, you know, a 17, 18 year old um, here in San Jose. Uh, so very fortunate for that to be so close to one of the fastest and most reliable forms of transportation in San Jose. Being able to do that landed me at Makla and the first things that I had experience with as a business intern at an arts nonprofit was both an audit and an auction, which I think is, it makes sense for how I got to where I am today, not sitting here and doing this for my own joy. And this uh, was around the same time. This was actually the opening day for their Latinx Art Now auction and exhibition. So before all the artworks go to auction, they're up in the galleries. Um, it was up for quite a while. It just recently closed. I had their auction um, outdoors at Parque de Poladores, right across or right outside and across from Makla. And that was May 20th, I think. 
is, is when it closed and it opened on May 7th. Um, such incredible pieces of artwork and it immediately makes me emotional to feel um, just so a part of the present art history that the world is creating um, to be able to say like, oh my gosh, like I know that person and, and to see how much their work means to them and then to see them being honored and um, and appreciated and celebrated and receiving resources for it because again, that's the world we live in and that's important. Um, it feels really good. Yep. Oh, I caught me. I caught myself. I caught myself. So yes. <laughs> um, always great that there's documentation. Again, check it out online um, with all of these recaps. I'll, I'll try to pair all of the visuals that I can um, so that people can kind of enjoy and, and feel a little bit a part of it too. After doing um, a full intake of that piece, I scurried over to Japantown. Empire 7 is an institution that, and when I say institution, I, I just mean like it's really woven into the fabric. There's so many, so many connotations behind that word. But when I say institution, I guess I mean both. Like they have the resources, they're established, um, they have the time behind them. And Empire 7 has that. And it's such a trip because I feel like I, I kind of only like knew slightly of Empire 7. Um, I have friends that were like in the, the Oban festivals and we do dance. So like I've been to like rehearsals over in Japantown before, but maybe I just never fully went that far. And there's this other place on um, 13th and I think Oakland, like right before you get on the 880 or the 680 um, in the, the same ish area that Japantown is in. Um, and I felt, I always thought that that lot was where Empire 7 was. And it's still like undeveloped. This is like a very like long term undeveloped lot now. Um, and fortunately, though, that is not the case for Empire 7. And this event was being organized by Catalyze SV. Um, and I heard about it through the San Jose Arts Advocates Group, two entities, organizations, um, advocacy groups that I highly suggest that you listen to. Again, if you are also listening to this podcast and you're here in the Bay Area, you now this is your invitation to get involved. And the reminder that there's so much going on. So Catalyze SV organized this event um, at the exhibit. And this is a market rate housing complex, um, but it's um, LEED certified. Um, and what's really, really unique about it is the partnership that ended up forming between Landforge, a uh, development architectural firm, and Empire 7, this displaced arts organization. It was a, a, a gallery and like a major fixture in San Jose for a long time. And after not having, after being displaced from their, their brick and mortar and existing kind of just through programming um, and, and murals and art, they were eventually able to get a really concrete seat at the table with Landforge and be a part of the process in being built into this building. And it's a, it's a really beautifully designed building. 
there are um, really special, well thought out, like plant situations, the way that the benches, like what the wood of the benches are made out of and and how they um, age over time. They've like carved out these like really beautiful outdoor spaces, one that's like semi enclosed. One of the really interesting fun facts was that none of the windows like face each other. They're just all perfectly angled to be offset. So this is a really intentional um, modern designs like done and not like an overly sterile minimalist way. Like they even have a, a collection. So, you know, the building is called the exhibit. They have Empire 7 as the ground floor anchor space and they're able to curate and they have a separate collection of curated artworks throughout the building. Um, so it was really incredible that Catalyze SV helped coordinate, um, you know, people who didn't live there to be able to see the interiors of spaces. Um, there was some council members there. There's people like me who were just like interested in, in learning more about real estate and, and the development process and the city planning process. Other members from the San Jose Arts Advocates group. Um, so yeah, just a little, every, a little bit of everyone that was interested in um, just understanding how development can be done in a way that benefits more than, you know, the single company or um, developing agency and that it d benefits the surrounding neighborhood just as much as it benefits the people who are n now able to live there. Um, so definitely check it out. Empire 7 is doing so many things. Like they get so many honorable mentions of events that I'm just a joy to know that they're happening and then I'm not able to make. Um, so that was incredible. Afterwards, <laughs> I went to the Culture Night Market. Um, I feel like this was their second event maybe at the Seven Trees Community Center. And so much happens in terms of arts and culture on a downtown level. That's probably really similar for most cities, but not everyone has the capability of transporting themselves to where something's happening. And so it's important for organizers to consider what if I bring events to, to them? And I, that's what Culture Night Market does. They've, they've expanded out of downtown, somewhat out of necessity, but also it's just been this really beautiful organic growth to filling some missing gaps in the arts and cultural activations in the city. And it's so exciting that it's, it's being recognized now. There is some really cool, there's like handmade uh, glass uh, bead folks. The Tinkship Box Shop was there selling their delicious snack. Uh, there was um, Honeyco. There was clothing. There was someone that had really sick stickers and they were doing some live painting. Um, again, if, uh, whatever photos I have, I'll, I'll definitely I'll definitely share them. And really awesomely, I was able to see Carino again. So hello. If, you know, I accidentally took, I didn't accidentally, I very intentionally was able to take your photo. Um, and in going back, I like wasn't, I couldn't remember for the longest time what your name was. Oh, hello, Carino. Your music is beautiful. Welcome back to San Jose. They, they had shared like in the, the first performance that they had left for a while and that this that was their first one. This was at a, a another um, Martha Street event. I should say 
more than that, Martha Street Empire 7 SJ Makers event. And yeah, it was just so cool. It was so cool to see her again. And um, there was like kind of like a sing-along song in Spanish and just like really beautiful, inspiring songs about like celebrating your your elders and yeah, just all, all good things, all good things. And then still on April 7th, went to the Orifice in San Jose for the first time find them on instagram i'm not sure like how like uh don't blow up the spot kind of situation that they have they they throw shows and they're ticketed shows and they definitely deserve the economic support to keep going um but i'll I'll leave that to them for their own i'll I'll tag you and (laughs) i can promote you more and if i go to another show there um that i can say more i will um but it's in the basement um and it's just like this this small room with like dense fog machine situations and lights and strobes and this every night is different because it's always a, a a different dj and and it's multiple sets as well and so this night was there to support the roomy low oros getting down on the keys um keys and dj djing some keys there was definitely some keys in there it was a beautiful 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 set dance the whole time it was great and then the other sets were definitely like a lot more like like another level of like instrumental i cannot maybe drum and bass i don't know i'd be throwing genres out there i was just there to dance and have a good time and you know live out the you know the 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 seas the night carpe diem sometimes you just can't stay home because there are just so many things and if you can if you have the energy why not expense it on awesome memories (laughs) um so that was a great trip that ended definitely on the 8th and 408 That's to be continued in part three of this Time Traveler's catch-up. The big one, San Jose Day. I feel like, yes, that's definitely like its own tidbit of an episode because really just that day, I probably, I'm definitely not going to get through that without crying. So I'll just pause here on way after midnight, starting on a night of April 7th, ending Sometime in the late, early, nighttimey AMs on April 8th, San Jose Day. It's been great. It's blowing my mind. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next one.